Hey, once again, good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you're here, and uh, I want to echo as well, happy Mother's Day to all you moms who are out there. Uh, last year, I may, have shared, um, I may have shared this with you. I just wanted to, to take a moment. It was when I was in college that I called my mom up on a Mother's Day, and I said, Mom, if you'll pay for my gas to get home, I'll go to church with you today. And she said yes, and uh, it was that day that God got a hold of my life. And so I don't know if your mom paid for your gas to get here today or if you're just here to, to make her happy. Um, I'm glad that you're here, and I know your mom is as well. But um, uh, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. Now, um, being a, a, a former teacher, I used to uh, take time when I would tell stories and I'd, I'd pull a chair up uh, because I'd want to stay a little bit closer to my notes. And this morning, we're we're going to really try to submerge ourselves in a story. And so, uh, as you see, I kind of pulled a stool up, and we're going to jump into it this morning as we continue this series. The day was growing hot and long, and no one, not even a blind beggar like Bartimaeus, liked to sit on the side of the road and yet this is where Bartimaeus found himself. It's where he spent most of his life, sitting with a cup extended, staring blankly into the sun. He was born blind. He had no hope of living a fulfilled life. He was depending on everybody for everything. It was humiliating having to beg. Most people treat you like you're just in the way, like you're just taking up space. The same people who might be mocking you are the very ones who drop a few coins in your cup, but you have no way of knowing. He spent day after day and year after year at this gate just begging for survival. He heard stories of many things while he sat there, but none were as captivating as those of a man with the ability to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and give sight to the blind. Bartimaeus couldn't help but think, if only that man were here today. Today we are continuing on in this series that's called to change a life. And over the last six weeks, we've looked at some of the personal encounters that Jesus had with individuals in Scripture. And these stories, as we've looked at them, have some great teaching and some great takeaways for our life still today. This week we're looking at the story of a blind man named Bartimaeus. It's found in Luke chapter 18. And though we are some 2,000 years removed from this story now, I want to try as best we can to recapture what it would have been like to live and walk in that moment. And so today I want to set the stage just a little bit differently than we normally do. And I want to do that with just a little bit of background. The story takes place at the gates of the city Jericho. It was during the season of Passover. And there was a lot that happened at the gates of an ancient city. Just outside of the gates was, was a marketplace. It's where, uh, where traders came to sell, to barter, to bargain. They set up booths. They set up tables. It would be much like a farmer's market or a flea market today. This was where the city dwellers and the peasants and all of those that would, would travel around would converge to buy, sell, and trade all of their goods. It was their marketplace. 
So as someone entered into the city, they would first have to walk through their marketplace. Just inside of the city gates was an open courtyard. It served like a common area for everybody to gather together. It was a meeting place. It was, it was for public debate. They would call it the, the courtyard, or today we may call it a town center. And it was where all the government offices were located. In fact, the government offices in ancient cities were usually built into the city walls. So as you walked through the gate, you actually passed by the offices of the governors and the magistrates. And as you passed into the city then, as you walked into the city, there was an open forum. And this is where everything happened. If you heard or saw anything, it was, it was right here. This is where the debates would happen. This, is where, this, this was the center of religious and political discourse. All of the town leaders would bring their proceedings to this forum so that they could be seen by all. And whatever was happening in the world was discussed right here at the city gates. And beggars, well, beggars spent their whole lives at the city gates. Bartimaeus was born blind. It meant that he was considered damaged goods. He was excluded from most of the privileges of of social life, excluded from most of the privileges of religious life even. Most people today, if they're blind, they're still able to live productive lives, but not in Jesus' time. In Jesus' time, they, they couldn't work. There was no Americans with Disabilities Act. There was no Braille system. The only way that you could survive was by begging. And in ancient Rome, beggars were at the very bottom of the social ladder. They were, they were slightly more valuable than dogs. This was the view of the culture. And blindness was a very common problem, actually, in Palestine. And unless your particular kind of blindness would self-correct over time, there was no hope for a cure. On top of that, there was a, a cultural or a religious stigma against blindness. And we see that demonstrated when Jesus' followers asked him a question. They asked this question in John chapter 9. It was, Rabbi, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. See, there was a perception, this sense that a blind person deserved their blindness. Many people thought the disease was a consequence of sin, either by that person or by their parents, and that's why they were blind. As a result, blind people were often ignored and even rebuked. So Bartimaeus, even though he was uneducated, even though he was ignored, he was smart enough to know that there was going to be a crowd of people at the gates of Jericho that day. And that's why he's sitting on the side of the road with his cup extended. Because it was in Jericho that the pilgrims all gathered on their final leg of the journey for Passover. They were going to Jerusalem, and, and Jericho was like the pit stop, the final um, bathroom break, right? The final Starbucks place to stop and get a drink, to reload, to refuel. It's where they stopped. The final leg of their journey was in front of them. And there was always a large crowd at the city gates when these pilgrims would come through on their way to Jerusalem. And usually leading the crowd were, were all of the important city officials, almost like a parade. Everybody's coming to your town. It's the best opportunity for you to show how magnificent your city is. 
how glorious it is. And so all of these city officials would come out. And of all the days, today was the day for everyone to see how magnificent their community was. And beggars, beggars were considered an embarrassment to the city. When somebody important was coming to town, they would often take a beggar like Bartimaeus home to give them a a good night's rest and a hot meal, and actually, it was to keep them out of sight. So Jesus is headed through Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's been ministering for for three years now. He's been traveling and just ministering tirelessly to to the people around him, and this caravan of people that are following him is growing all the time. More and more people. When when a well-known teacher was traveling, uh, there would be a lot of folks that would gather around and listen to his teachings as they walked. Many of the people that gathered around Jesus were actually pilgrims themselves headed to Jerusalem, but a lot of them weren't. A lot of them were not going to make that journey, but they still came out and they lined the streets to listen to the teachings as they walk through. In addition to this, Jesus was not only a great teacher that was drawing crowds, but Jesus was also performing miracles, and people were hearing about it. People took notice. Jesus made the statement to John the Baptist's disciples. He said, go tell John what you've seen and you've heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. These were the kinds of reports that were going out all over the area so you could see how the crowds really began to form around Jesus as he walked. And he's approaching the city of Jericho, the scripture tells us, and he's about 15 miles from Jerusalem. And this is really where our story takes place. The encounter that Jesus had with this man named Bartimaeus is in Luke chapter 18. You're going to see it in your notes today. You're also going to see it on our screens this morning. And this is the story. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him, told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and he he called the man, ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Now this morning, as we as we continue looking at this story, I want to look at three different perspectives. You know there's different ways to look at a story, don't you? And we're going to look at three different perspectives of this same story and then draw a couple of conclusions. So Bartimaeus, he heard the sound of excitement in the distance. He could tell something had caused a giant crowd to gather So he listened to the roar of the crowd grow closer and closer and closer until he finally asked, what's going on? And the response came, it's that guy, Jesus. Bartimaeus' heart 
had to begin to race. Could it be that the guy he'd heard stories about was right here, right now? You mean the Jesus we've heard so much about, the one who heals? Yes, that, that Jesus. And maybe Bartimaeus had heard of the time that Jesus stood up in the temple and he took the scroll of Isaiah and he read, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. And he sent me to, to bring recovery of sight for the blind. For just a moment, you could imagine that Bartimaeus's mind began to imagine what it would be like if he was no longer blind. This healer is in front of me. But you realize also that his imagination is probably interrupted by the reality that Jesus was passing by. His opportunity was here right now, his only chance. And so Scripture says he yelled out, Jesus, help me. It's his perspective. But you know there's a perspective of the crowd also. Those who lived in Jericho were were saying, finally, everyone is arriving. Like, this is our time to shine. This is our moment to look great. This was the last Rest stop for everybody who's headed to Jerusalem. And I've heard that the great Rabbi Jesus is in the crowd. So all the religious and all the political leaders were all assembled there in the courtyard and ready to greet the the visitors as they begin to travel through. And at the worst possible moment, one of those embarrassing beggars begins to yell. For Jesus, he's on his final leg of the journey to the cross. He's been ministering for three years tirelessly. Jericho was quite possibly his last chance for rest before he heads into Jerusalem, before he heads to the cross. And in the midst of all of the noise, All the activity, the roar of the crowd, he caught the cry of a desperate man. All three of these perspectives kind of converge right when Bartimaeus yells out, Jesus, help me. But the crowd didn't have any compassion on him. (laughs) I mean, listen, Bartimaeus, instead of helping him, they rebuked him. And told him to be quiet. In fact, as you look at the Greek word when they, where it says for, that they told him to be quiet, it was actually a vulgar response. What we would say today, shut up. They said, shut up. What are you doing? Why do you have to make us look bad? Do you even know who this is? Quit bothering him. And I want you, before we pass through this, I want you to catch the irony here. This was a religious crowd on their way to a religious festival, listening to a religious teacher. And yet they failed miserably to show love to somebody who was in need. They were so interested in listening, and they came so woefully short in acting. In fact, in the book of Mark, 
It says that they even told Bartimaeus, Jesus would not have time for a person like you. Oh, and they were so wrong. Jesus was far more concerned with the hurting and the needy than with his schedule or with an agenda or with his persona. In fact, he said the reason that he came was for these people, the hurting, the downcast, the desperate. The crowd was listening to Jesus, but they failed to activate his teachings. You you understand why later on Jesus' own brother James wrote, be not only hearers of the word, but also doers of it. So Bartimaeus, he could have waited for maybe a more socially appropriate time, right? The problem was that Bartimaeus' sight was not getting any better, and Jesus was passing by. Jesus was the only hope of him being set free from his blindness. And now was the only moment. It was, it was the one chance that he had. You see the picture. You understand what's going on. And so in verse 38, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I want you to take a moment. I want you to just place your, yourself in Bartimaeus' shoes. And you could probably change out his blindness for any other sickness or fear or anger or lust. And you see a chance to get free. You see an opportunity, you don't have to live that way anymore. And so you cry out, and you act, but the people around you tell you to stop. How would you respond? (laughs) If you knew what it was like, you wouldn't tell me to stop. You don't know what it's like to struggle with the things that I do. You're not the blind one. I am. This is my one chance to not have to live like this anymore. And I'm not going to miss it. And so it says that Bartimaeus, he responded to the crowd. He had said, Jesus, help me. And they'd said, be quiet. His response was, he shouted even louder. (laughs) Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says Jesus stopped. And he called for him. And I don't know about you, but I could just imagine the eagerness that that went through Bartimaeus' mind as he realized, oh my goodness. I'd like to have seen maybe like his body try to catch up with the anticipation of his heart. Like he couldn't get up off his feet fast enough to find a, a way to Jesus. But Jesus asked him a question that's extremely interesting. Verse 41, he said, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, did Jesus ask Bartimaeus because he didn't know? Isn't it obvious what a blind man wants? Isn't it obvious what a person who can't see what they need? But Jesus didn't ask him because he needed to know. Jesus knew what Bartimaeus needed, but Jesus asked what Bartimaeus wanted. And here's a reality for all of us. Oftentimes, the thing that we need most in our life is not the thing that we want most in our heart. See, Bartimaeus had an opportunity right there to really declare what it was that he desired most. 
Jesus was actually looking for some kind of faith in Bartimaeus that he would direct his focus and his attention to, to him for what he obviously needed most. If Jesus was standing in front of you and he asked you today, what do you want me to do for you? I think your heart would probably jump out of your chest. The things that you have needed desperately in your life would probably flood your mind. I mean, isn't it amazing how the things that um, seem so important to us all of a sudden are, are petty? <laughs> when the one who has the ability to heal and forgive and restore and redeem, when he asks you, what do you want me to do for you? You know what beggars would usually respond with? They would usually respond with, I'd like some coins in my cup. I'd like a fresh change of clothes. I'd like food for dinner tonight. But Bartimaeus was not looking to Jesus for those things. Bartimaeus had heard the stories he knew what Jesus could do. And so when Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus responded with one very simple, short phrase. He said, Lord, I want to see. I'm tired of being incomplete. I'm tired of being unfulfilled. I'm tired of being considered unclean. I want my sight. Here's what Jesus said to him. Receive your sight. Your faith in me has healed you. Jesus walked past a lot of important, dignified leaders that day just to be able to find a blind, a blind beggar who needed him. Jesus did more than heal him. He, he made him whole. If you remember a few weeks ago, it was on Easter Sunday, we were talking about this man who hung on the cross beside Jesus and Jesus said that he'd be saved that day and his, his, his word that he used actually meant wholeness because that's the way that Jesus acts that's what he does, that's his heart his wholeness for people and so he, he looks at this beggar and he said your faith in me has made you whole and there's two things that I want to look at just as we, we wrap up a real short sermon today. Just two conclusions, maybe. Because Bartimaeus saw something. He, he saw his need very clearly. He knew what his need was, but he also saw his only opportunity. He saw the answer in Jesus. And from the depths of his heart, he cried out to be whole. And this morning, I want to encourage you, don't let anything keep you from wholeness. We can always come up with a lot of reasons why we should wait. We can always come up with excuses on why um, it's okay to live this way, on why it's not really that big of a deal. But we're missing the purpose of why Jesus said he came to bring an abundant life for you, a life of wholeness, a life of fullness, a life of fulfillment, a life of joy, 
a life of peace. Listen, you don't have to live without that. And here's what's great about this. You also don't have to be a spiritual giant for God to move on your behalf. I think this is really important. You don't have to be like a Billy Graham of the faith to have God move in your life. Here's what Jesus said. He said, you just simply need faith. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20 said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. In fact, nothing will be impossible for you. We've talked a lot about Jesus' response to faith in this series. And Jesus always responds to faith. But here's the good news. You don't have to have mountain-sized faith to move a mountain. All you need is enough faith that causes you to look to him. That's mustard seed faith. You may have all kinds of doubts still in your life. You may have all kinds of hurts. You may have all kinds of baggage. I mean, raise, no, don't raise your hand. If you're with me, you know, right? You may have all of that stuff, and Jesus isn't judging you on that. And he's not, he's not trying to get this, like, as soon as you get mountain-sized faith, then I'll move a mountain. But if you got mustard seed-sized faith, I'm going to do mustard seed size things in your life. That's not how Jesus works. If you have enough faith to just look to him, that's mustard seed faith. Nothing would be impossible. Jesus always responded to faith. And here's something I want to I tag on on this, just on this little part here. Some people are big time crowd pleasers. Don't be a crowd pleaser. Crowds stop you from doing things that need to be done. Some people will stop from doing those things just to keep people around them happy. That's not a way to live your life. It's not a way to pursue God. To keep things looking good on the outside while sickness and bondage still dwell on the inside. Here's what I can tell you about crowds. Crowds are fickle and crowds are selfish. And they are the worst thing for you to base your spiritual decisions on. Don't be crowd pleasers. Here's our our second conclusion. Don't be the crowd to other people. Don't be the ones that, that put roadblocks in front of people when they're pursuing God. Don't be the ones that say you need to be more dignified. Be the ones who are encouraging them who are helping them, not hindering them. We're called to move people towards Christ, not present obstacles that prevent people from experiencing his wholeness. You read throughout scripture and you recognize that there were a lot of people who did undignified things because they were pursuing God and they weren't concerned with the appearance and they weren't concerned with the crowd. He said, this is my opportunity. I don't have to live this way anymore. The one person that can make a difference in my life is right here, and his name is Jesus. So this morning, I want to take a moment just to close. I want to give two opportunities. The first one is, if you have never asked Jesus to just be at the center of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that before we leave today. Just to say, God... I want to follow you from this day forward. You're a a better leader than I am. You know me better than I know myself. You made me. You know what my future looks like. You know what my past looks like, and you still love me. I'm going to follow you. And if that's you, and you've never made that 
decision before, you've never made that commitment, I want to give you an opportunity to do it today. If you guys would take just a moment, just close your eyes and bow your heads. It's just a holy moment between you and the Lord right now. If you're just ready to make that kind of a decision, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me, irregardless. Thank you for your faithfulness and your commitment to me. And Lord, today I, I want to put you in the center of my life. I want to follow you. I ask that you'd forgive me of my, my sins, all my shortcomings, Lord. I ask that you would give me a brand new opportunity, a new life to follow you from this day forward. And I ask you to help me with that. Amen. Amen.